here we go with the first week of our new series. And um, I will say, this is, this uh, series, I mentioned this last week, if you were here, I think we had some signs posted there before you enter the auditorium. This would be a series that's PG-13, probably. So um, I, I shared this last week, but you know, I would say that's a pretty good age marker, probably sixth grade and up. You know, this may be uh, okay for them, but uh, certainly if you have kids that should maybe be in the kids' ministry and would hear some of the topics today, uh, you may want to have them checked into the kids' ministry uh, so that you're uh, able to um, not have to worry about answering some, could be some very unusual questions by the time we're done here. Now, I want to uh, tell you uh, just maybe a moment here before I get started and celebrate what God did last week. We had 91 baptisms here. Uh, wow. Our new series, though, is called Sex, Lies, and Video, and we're going to be taking uh, a little bit of a, a journey into understanding some things that are going on in our culture today uh, and, and, and things that uh, you have to know that people who call themselves Christians are dealing with. And, and so I, I'm looking forward to sharing with you, uh, reminded in the scriptures in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 24, uh, it says this, it says, for this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and they will become one flesh. The man and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. These scriptures remind us of something very amazing that God created. When you understand this two, this uniting in one flesh, what we understand is that God created something very physical, but beyond physical, something emotional, something spiritual. I think that's important to remember. That brings the two into one flesh. We're talking about sexual intercourse. We're talking about things related to sex within the bounds of marriage, God says, this is what I have made, and it is good. It is. God is pro-sex because he made it. He designed it. Of course, we have an adversary who loves to come along and take the things that God has done and kind of get into our minds and twist this little thing, this journey. I, I did notice, though, in the scriptures, I was doing a little study uh, of, like, it says God made them male and female, and the ancient Hebrew words for those words, male and female, I noticed that the word for male is pronounced ish, ish, and that the word for female, check this out, is aha. This is true. It's interesting, isn't it, that God says for the man, we're going to say ish, whatever. But then for the woman, it's aha. So uh, that's kind of nice. And, and, uh, and we do know that God cares about this topic. I think it's important for the church to talk about this topic and God giving us this incredible gift that we get to be a part of within the bounds of marriage. We, we are... We're, we, we shouldn't be afraid to talk about it in church. If God made it, then we, we should be able to talk about it. it I don't know if you know this, but the two topics that people oftentimes, oftentimes would say, that's weird or uncomfortable, I don't want to talk about it at church, it's money and sex. And what are the two areas that are wrecking homes and families more than anything? 
money and sex. And the devil comes along and plays with our minds as Christians and says, we don't talk about that at church. Are you serious? Like, this is all God's. So we definitely should talk about it. And if we do teach about it, it's kind of interesting. If we do teach about it in the church, what we teach is that, uh, or at least kind of in the old school church, sometimes they'll say, well, sex is bad, it's dirty, it's horrible, just save it for the one you love. Well, that's not a great message either. And some of you may have heard that when you were growing up. And no, we, we can talk about this and we can understand and we can talk about it in a healthy way. But yes, it is true that it's been perverted, it's been messed up, it's been damaged because of the attacks and the onslaught of our spiritual adversary. He has a way of doing this with anything, right? God makes and he makes it good and then that enemy comes along. Let's take simple things that we deal with in our culture today. All right, God says, you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna make this thing where uh, he models it. We're gonna work six and take one off. And well, that sounds nice and here we are in America dealing with this way people have taken that, just take a day to replenish ourselves and now in our culture, we have people who are so unmotivated. They have no drive. They have no goals. They're slothful. And it's gone from the six and one to some never working. We abuse these things that God has made and set up for us. We take it to the wrong places. Think about, he, he gave us an appetite to eat. And praise God, there's some flavors. And the foods are all different. And that's amazing, but we can abuse that. And we can eat the wrong things, and we can eat things, too much of things, things that are unhealthy, too much of anything, and all of a sudden we take something that God designed for us, and it gets messy. We take something like nature. God creates it and entrusts us with it. And we can abuse it. And we can make it messy. All these things that God designs, all these things that he does, if we're not careful, if we're not following God, if we're not deep into the things of God, the enemy comes along and decides to get us to handle this a little bit differently. And, and, and it, it's an issue when it comes to the topic we're dealing with today. I would say I, we need to be clear that this is a major issue for those who call themselves Christians. It's a big issue. And, and I do believe there are people here in this audience who call themselves Christians who might say, well, I do agree, Pastor Gary, that you know, the marriage bed should be preserved and, and, and it, should, it should be sacred. And, and I do believe you know, that we should save this to something that should be saved till marriage. We could say that we believe this, but what are our actions? And, and, and why is it that, that it's so difficult for the people who call themselves Christians to actually embrace this purity way of living? Why is it such a struggle? And, and I would submit to you that it is a struggle. If it's a struggle for you to honor God this way in your life, if it's a struggle for you to see this become a reality playing out in your life, I would submit to you, you have something like they sang about in the third song that we just heard, that you have something like a stronghold over you. You would like to do the right thing. 
You would like to live better. You would like to honor God, but there's something going on that's caused you to not be able to break away from one way of living to the right way of living. Here's what it says in 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. It says, for though we live in a world, in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power. God gives us the power and the weapons to demolish what? Strongholds. So God gives us through his power and strength, the ability to demolish this. We demolish arguments through every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every, this next word's important, every what? Thought. Make it obedient to Christ. So what I see is that there's this, this stronghold. God gives us the power to deal with it, and it is to be dealt with at the level of the mind, the thinking that it starts in the thinking and that there's something in your life, my life, at times, if we're not careful, we get wrong thinking and that thinking just consumes us. I put in your notes, a stronghold is this, a prisoner locked up by deception, living a life by something that is not true. Deception, this is of the mind. Truth versus lies, this is of the mind. And I want to bring us back to this understanding that, that this level of work that the adversary's been doing, he gets in, he argues with you. Did, did God really say that? Uh, did he really say that or, or should, is he withholding from you? He convinces, he persuades, he does this with everything and it's not new. This is what happened in the garden. Did God really say that? What if he's withholding from you? Why don't you taste of the tree that God said don't taste from? Because he's probably withholding. And in our cult, where we are in 2023, in so much of the struggle, it's a portrait of did God really say, did he really promise? Can you really trust? Can you really trust him? So we take every thought captive and we have to do a little bit of a reset and say, what is it that I actually think and the truth is about this topic. I talk about it all the time here at our church. You'll hear me say, anytime we have to address something going on in our lives, always have to go back to the thinking. The scriptures we're talking about here are reminding us of that. But we have this thing where I say, as you think, don't ever forget this, you don't like any outcome in your life. As you think, so you do. And as you do, you become. Think, do, become. See, this is not a behavioral issue when you get down to it. The behavioral is kind of the symptom going back to your mind. Take every, take every thought captive. You are under assault in the year 2023. You are under assault. This is a mind issue the enemy is going after, especially on this particular topic related to sex, sexuality, sexual identity. The enemy is after it. So today, in love and in truth, I want to share with you some things you need to know, always in an effort to say, okay, let, let's reset the mind and get back to the truth of what God says about these things. I'm going to share with you solutions in this series. I would say most of my time with you is going to be about dealing with choices that you make. All right, so I think it is important, and we've dealt with this uh, even within the last year, uh, what does it look like when somebody has done something to me that I didn't choose, even sexually? 
And, and, and that is an issue for some here. I, we may not touch as much on that. I'm gonna spend a lot of time, okay, let's focus on the choices that we are making. Because it's those choices oftentimes, not always, oftentimes that we're making that are producing certainly things and results that are outside the bounds of anything God ever wanted. If you think of every single struggle we have in our culture today related to sex and sexuality, none of it is of God. It's all born out of this playground that the enemy's been in to change the way that we think, right? STDs, abortion, the porn industry that's growing. Did you know the porn industry? has revenues bigger than the NFL, the NBA, the NHL, MLB combined. Teen pregnancy, fatherlessness, fatherless children, adultery, divorce, broken homes, sexual identity issues, all all come out of this, this wrong thinking. So as I stand up here, I have the evidence to prove it all. I mean, it's out there more than ever in our history to say we know We know when we get this wrong. We know when we choose poorly. We know the evidence shows that this gets messy and the enemy loves to do that. Romans 1.21 says this, for although they knew God, oh my goodness, I can't believe it. In Romans, they wrote a scripture about America. Actually, they didn't, but this is 2023 right here in the United States of America. For all they knew God. In other words, we heard about a God, there's a God, and I know he says something about sex and marriage and all that stuff. I know he says that, but I mean, we don't really like know what we think we know, and, and we can change the words around anyways and kind of make it whatever it is we want to make it. So they say that they know God, but look what it says about those people. They neither glorified him as God, nor gave thanks to them, but their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. We claim to be wise. It says, although we claim to be wise, you know, because we got these phones that are just amazing, and we have more information in the palm of our hand than we've ever had before, so certainly we can claim to be very smart people, right? Instead, they became fools. They exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore, God gave them over in their sinful desires of their heart to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth about God. It starts in the mind. They changed the truth for a what? A lie. And they worshiped and served the created thing rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. The scriptures remind us that whenever you start worshiping that which God made instead of worshiping God, the creator, you're always going to have a problem. And the outcomes that we have in our culture today related to sex and sexuality are all a part of understanding we're worshiping the thing rather than worshiping the creator. Just so you know, the Bible's pretty clear that before Christ returns, sex and sexuality will be a mess, rampant brokenness. And it is ramping up quickly in our culture. I wrote in your notes, think lies, thinking, thinking lies. People that are thinking the wrong things in our culture today, things we've been deceived by about sex, uh, let's walk through some of the great lies. And I think over the years, I put some of those lies down and, and I said, okay, these are some of the things that I see out there. 
And, and I've done them at different times. And I said, oh, man, you know what? I'm just going to compile them all. You know, four of the biggest anyways. And so here's some of them. The first one in your notes is, here's a lie that people are believing that sex is pretty much just animalistic. We may not say that, but we certainly by our actions live that way. Hey, I'm like an animal. I can't control myself. You know, and even when we explain it to our kids, we, we use the birds and the bees, so why not just think it's animalistic? You know, we're just kind of the animals. Hey, son, go have at it, son. Just get some protection. And we, we treat it that way. Let's just go on our feelings. Let's just go by what we feel, act on our feelings, and you know something? If the enemy can get you to act on your feelings, that is a major win. Emotions, feelings. This animalistic nature and brokenness develops. Let's not forget, it develops at the very beginning. Sin enters the world. And we see things in the scripture that are very clear about God's plan and design, but why is it we miss this? Because in that sin entering the world, that moment develops and begins where God says, hey, you want to listen to the lies of the enemy if that's what you want to choose. If these are the paths you want to go down in life, he, he's going to let you choose because it's free will. And he's going to give you the choice, either choose him or choose the lies of the enemy. For any of us in this room, whether it be about sex or any other area of our life, for me as your pastor, at any moment, if I'm not on guard and ready for the truth and to dig into the truth and to be prepared for the truth, I can have a problem starting to believe lies, and you can as well. So we have to be, we have to be ready to deal with these lies. Sex is not animalistic. Here's another lie that's out there. Sex is recreational. Hey, you know what? It's just two bodies enjoying each other. What's the big deal, man? We're just having fun. It's friends with benefits. Nobody's getting hurt. It's recreational. No. The two are becoming one flesh. And that's a big deal. Pastor, come on. It was spring break. It was a one-night stand. It was a business trip. I'll never see them again. No, it's two people fusing together the soul and the body. It's not something that's just recreational. But again, we, we believe these lies. I mean, where did who told you these things? And where did you learn this from? It wasn't from God if you... Believe these lies about what sex is. There's so many lies just around this right here. Like, just, here's a lie that's out there. Ready? I've heard it. Some of you, this is kind of what you might have said. I don't know. It was like this. Well, you know what? <laughs> I got to have sex before marriage because I got to practice so that I can be really good for when I get married. <laughs> practice makes perfect. Can I just tell you, if you're single right now and you've heard that or thought that, nobody got married and in the marriage said, I am so glad you practiced so much before we got married. Nobody says that. Oh, you are so good at this. We should enter a contest. Wow. No, this is not said. It's a lie. In fact, here's the truth. You need to know this. The more you practice sex, and statistics prove it, everything I'm saying, the more you practice, quote unquote, sex before marriage, the less sex you have when you're married. Statistics bear it out. 
everything before can deeply affect the marriage. You're giving a part of your soul to somebody else. I want to be clear. You're in a no-condemnation house. I'm sharing with you the lies. Have people that have come to this church with all different kinds of backgrounds and pasts. And they've sat in the seats just like you are and they've heard me teaching on a topic and, and God started to do a stirring and, and something developed and, and their life radically changed. And they discovered restoration. And restoration is possible. We'll talk more about that in a second. But we have to decide to search for God's grace in this. Lie number three. Sex is an isolated moment, pastor. <laughs> you know whatever happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Here's the truth. I know this firsthand from what I've encountered in talking to people. Ready? What happens in Vegas comes out in the counseling room. What happens in Vegas comes home with you. What happens in Vegas always comes back to affect you in your life. Even with porn. Some of the lies related to porn. Like here's what's happening with porn. Younger people especially, this is um, becoming problematic in their future marriages. He, it's just me and a screen. What's the big deal? I'm not hurting anybody. Oh, oh you are. You're going to hurt the marriage in the bedroom one day or if you're married currently. It becomes an addiction, of course, that can affect you and people around you. And just another note about it that makes it all worth recognizing that this isn't just about you and the screen. It produces the porn industry a deeper and deeper growing of sex slave trade. So yeah, it's not just you and the screen. In fact, I wrote in your notes, you know, there is a school of pornography because of the level of revenue coming in with it and they teach you things, you know, to understand that should be promoted in some of the work that they're doing. And so here's one of the things that's promoted, ready? A real body isn't good enough. Like the screen is going to produce something better. And a lot of times you'll see younger people binging and they're binging on it before they get married and they're watching it regularly before they get married and then they get married and they say, you know what, I don't need her body. I don't need her body because I got the screen. And what ends up happening is rather than having sex with his spouse, he goes and watches the screen and then he masturbates. And then the marriage breaks more and more because sex is being withheld, real sex within, within the marriage. Porn teaches that our body isn't good enough, or that one body isn't good enough, that there should be more and more and more, and it teaches that your spouse's body isn't good enough. Like, why would I want her or him when look at what I see on the screen? It looks so much better. And what a mess for the bedroom, the marriage bed. Again, you can be set free from all of it. We have men, women, both in our church have been set free from Addictions to pornography. God did it. Here's the fourth lie. Sex is just physical. I mean, it's like a, it's a sport, you know? It's like flag football. And as long as nobody gets pregnant, and as long as nobody gets hurt, and as long as nobody gets a disease, it's all fun and games. It's just physical. What's the big deal, man? No, sex is spiritual. 
And I can prove it to you right now that sex is spiritual. And when I share what I'm about to share with you, something will happen deep inside and you'll know what I'm saying is true. If sex is just physical and we don't recognize that it's spiritual, if we just say it's physical, how come there's a massive difference between someone being punched and someone being raped? We know this about rape. The pain is different. The scar is different. The baggage is different. The recovery is different. The emotional hurt, pain is different. It's not even close. You gonna say to somebody who's been raped, are you gonna say, yeah, just get over it? No. You know you can't because it's deep. It's a deep issue. Because it affects us on so many levels. It's not just physical, it's soul, it's, it's spiritual. There's so much associated with it. But restoration, of course, can change our hearts and our minds and move us in the right direction. One man, God's plan, one man, one woman, within the bounds of marriage. God says, though Satan's plan is to have more and more and more sex before you're married, withholding the understanding of what it does to your marriage. God says, my plan is to save it for the marriage and have more and more and more when you're married. Completely different. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 15 says, do you not know? He's writing to a, a people who are struggling in sexual sin. I mean, the people of Corinth uh, during this time, I mean, it's Vegas times 10. So they're already struggling, and they're struggling bad. Hey, don't you understand that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never. Do you not know that he who unites himself with prostitutes is one with her body? In other words, it's not a sport. There's a unification taking place. For it is said the two will become one flesh, but whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Flee from sexual immorality, get away. All other sin a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. This is not, this is not Paul saying that this is a greater sin than another sin. But what he's saying is some of these effects can be very powerful, so we have to pay attention because it's deeper than just physical. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you've received from God? Like he's talking about your thinking. Are you thinking right? Are you believing lies? Aren't you thinking the truth? You're not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God. Honor God with your bodies. We're talking about changing the way that we think. Understanding that sometimes the way we think is wrong. And I get it. You know where we learn about this in a healthy way? The way God set it up, here's the way God set it up. He said, we're going to have a man and a woman in marriage. And what's going to happen is they'll have kids and, and, and they'll teach them the Bible. And the father takes the lead on this and he teaches the Bible. And as a part of his Bible teaching to the child, an understanding of the truth about things like sex and money and all these other things. Well, what does it look like in a culture where no dads are teaching this? No families are teaching biblical truths about anything. Well, just look what we have. 
generations now where nobody got the truth. And so imagine now you don't get the truth and you go out into the world and the world tells you everything the world tells you. All you're going to believe is what the world tells you. We were, when we go to the Dominican Republic, um, one of the things you see there right away is there's trash everywhere on the ground. You see this in other countries as well. Uh, it's trash everywhere. And you're, you're shocked because you're like, what's wrong? I mean, really, what they do is they'll eat, they'll eat something when plastic's left over or paper and they just, they just throw it all on the ground. All, it's everywhere. But why in the world would they do that, litter like that? Well, it's because nobody has invested and taught them what that littering does to their ecology around them. It's not been taught. Like when I was younger, I remember uh, you know, many years ago, there was a big campaign in America. It was called Keep America Beautiful. And of course, to this day, do not litter, don't litter, understanding why we don't litter. Like, it's taught. Like, you learn that. You're growing up in school. Like, people are teaching this. You learn this. In America, it is taught. It's ingrained. Like, you, you may be a, one of these, they just say, you're a tree hugger or whatever, earth lover or not. It doesn't matter. We all understand that, that there's a problem when we litter. We get it. And it's less and less here in our culture today because it's taught. We do have our missionary in Dominican. He actually tries to teach the people this. Like he tries to see. Maybe sometimes they do a little bit better with it. But for us, it's been ingrained. Don't litter. But were biblical truths ever ingrained in you? Because I would have to think that if biblical truths were ingrained in you like our culture of understanding what litter is, you'd probably say, yeah, I, I understand the truth and I understand why this is important. And, and yet... Because it hasn't been taught, we're littering our communities with sexual brokenness. But it's a teaching issue, so I'm just bringing to you some information that maybe you weren't taught. 1 Thessalonians 4, 3. It is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is healthy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the, the pagans, the unbelievers who do not know God. And that in this matter, no one should wrong, take advantage of a brother or sister. The Lord will punish all who commit such sins as we told you and warned you before. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live holy, to live a holy life. I'm gonna close out with very quickly five kind of resets now. We've gone through the lies. Let me give you five resets regarding right think in marriage. Here we go. Here's the first one in your notes. First thing on this journey of getting this right is you've gotta to decide to embrace in this new thinking the grace. You've got to begin a new journey with, with grace. Nothing changes, nothing gets healed Nothing moves in the right direction until you embrace grace. The grace of God. His forgiveness, Romans 6, 14, for sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law, but you are under grace. You're under grace. You're under forgiveness. I'll never forget when God allowed me to be in his grace. It's not by anything that I did. It's by what Jesus did on the cross. Not by works, but, but through Jesus Christ, I found grace in my life and I was no longer operating under this master of sin. I, I didn't make, I was no longer, didn't need to make any choices as though I was under the master of sin. I had this new grace in my life. I wrote this in my notes. If you think you're a sinner, 
and you're just destined to be a sinner and you will always be sinning, then what you do is you make decisions like a sinner. But if you believe you are righteous before God, forgiven, have his grace, you will treat yourself as though you are righteous, forgiven, and have grace. So a whole new way of thinking is just this understanding of the freedom is that I don't have to live like, I don't have to live that way. God's given me freedom to, to move towards him in my life. And as the Holy Spirit gets involved and convicts us and says, this is the new place for you in your life, we start following God now in a new free opportunity. Jesus encounters this woman caught in adultery and in a time of forgiveness for her. In John 8, 11, he says, then neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared, go now and leave your life of sin. Under grace, I can leave it. And I can move to something new. Like, this isn't gonna be a thing where I know, uh, you know, I don't have God in my life, but I know I can just do this. I know, I just know. The old saying is, you can't. And you won't, because if you could have, you would have already. But with God's power, you can. The Christians have this power to understand that like, you are not condemned. And so you are, because you're not condemned, there's no need to live like a condemned person. You can live new. Here's the second thing. Make the commitment to God's way. Start digging into the truth. What's the Bible say? What are the promises for this in your life? getting this right? What are the blessings come for the believer gets this right? God, what is your plan? What is your place for me? And what does forgiveness look like on this journey and the freedom and the newfound purity in my life? Well, Gary, I don't think I could ever be forgiven because I've done a lot. God, I, I, I don't, I've blown it, man. I mean, I've messed this up in my life. I've gone too far. Hear me, as with any topic, there's not one person in this room, not one person who's gone past the blood of Jesus Christ, not one. You can be forgiven and you can absolutely be restored. Isaiah 1:18. though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, stained, broken, messy, they shall be like wool, white as wool. God does this. And he restores and sets people on the path of, of purity. So what do you need to do? What do you need to do right away with your new forgiveness and your new grace? We're within the bounds of grace. You say this. Therefore, 2 Corinthians 6. Therefore, come out from them and be what? Separate. It's time to separate, man, from that way of living. It's time to move towards the right thing. Touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you. I will be your father, a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Come towards me, Jesus says, and move away from the way that you've been living. Here's the third thing. Manage your mind intake. Your mind, it's like a diet with food. And you gotta take this seriously. Like you have got to decide to manage what it is you are intaking into your, again, into your mind. We said at the very beginning, this is a stronghold over the mind. And some of you understand that there are triggers that you maybe are a part of, things that are around you that 
can cause you to move into some of the wrong things in, in life. As a matter of fact, things happen. Uh, it, it feels like everything's pointing towards this deeper and deeper movement towards pornography. And some of you, just in that realm alone, you have triggers that send you back to the screen. And so you have to figure out how you're going to manage. You, you have to decide. You want to manage the mind intake and the things that are around you. Did you know, by the way, the average age in which a child, male or female, encounters porn for the very first time is now eight to 11 years old? That's right. Thank you, iPhone. Wow. But, but there are some things that you can control and there, I freely admit there in our culture today, it feels like there's things you can't control. Like wherever you go, it's in front of you. I mean, it's just out there. A commercial pops up, or you're on your screen, and this, this thing pops up on your screen. You're like, what in the world? Like, what is that? Why is that in front of me? And you see a billboard. Like, I'm not even kidding. Right out here at the entrance of our church a couple of years ago, in the middle of nowhere, I, I'm coming to church one day, and all of a sudden, on this huge billboard, right when you enter our church, they put on there a, a woman's breast for breast augmentation. My gosh, we're trying to teach men and women purity here in our church through Celebrate Recovery. We're trying to teach these people, we're trying to teach women that you are not defined by your body. And right at the entrance of our church, praise God, we got that thing down and now it says New Walk Church on that billboard right out there, I'm gonna tell you. Some of those things, you, you know, it's like it's there and you're like, good grief, man. But some things, you know, you can control some of your intakes. Have you heard of Facebook affairs? Facebook affairs uh, are when people decide to reconnect with an old flame in their life on Facebook or maybe another platform, and now there's something defined as the zero to 60 rule. Like this is an actual defined thing, the zero to 60 rule. Here's what the zero to 60 rule is and reconnecting with an old flame. From zero to 30 days, as you start connecting with an old flame, by 30 days uh, from the first time, you will start to be confused about your own marriage. And by the 60th day, you will be trying to figure out how you could have a sexual encounter with an old flame. Zero to 60. Sometimes, and, and this is, there are statistics, heavy statistics on this, women who just sit down and read erotic novels, and where some of that leads them in their own journey. Sometimes we gotta make that right choice to say, what is it I need to deal with on my mind intake? Romans 8, 5, 6 says, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on flesh desires. Those who live in accordance to the spirit, you're walking with God, here's what you do. You have your mind set on what the spirit desires. The mind is governed by the, that's governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit, what God's promise on this is life and peace. David says this in Psalm 101 in verse three. I will set before my eyes no vile thing. Sometimes there's just things we're watching, reading, viewing that we can control and we say, I can't have that, that intake. Here's the next thing. Maintain right, healthy relationships for this. right, healthy relationships. Can I tell you that most people who set out on a journey for living for God sexually, this is where they fail. 
because they haven't understood how important it is to have, have right people around you. Some of you have relationships where the people that you go out with or hang out with talk about unhealthy sexual activity. Sometimes it's in the workplace and you should deal with that. Sometimes we, we might have uh, a person that we're dating and we know that this person doesn't have the things of God in mind sexually. They're completely different than the direction I'm trying to go down in my life. And, and what you just need to do is, is move on. In fact, I've said this before. To, uh, sometimes uh, they'll let me speak at youth times. It, it, you know, that I'm getting older, so they don't want me as much, all right? But sometimes I'll talk about sexuality or sexual purity, and I'll say, hey, what you need to do is um, just, just send him a text and break up with him. Just go ahead, just text him. He probably asked you out by text, which is really low level. But okay, so if he asked you out by text, then just break up with him by text. It's okay. And say, okay, some of you, like, you go ahead and do it. 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts. We know this, good character. James 5, 16. Make this your common practice. Confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other so that you can live together whole and healed. This is now getting right people around you that you can share and talk about your journey. This doesn't happen by coming to church on the weekend, just so you know. Like, we don't sit here in church and go, hey, everybody, just right now where you're at, confess all your sexual sins to somebody sitting around you. We don't do that. This happens in smaller groups. When you go to groups and you connect with more people in groups and maybe you have a setting where you can connect with one or two or three other people and start talking about some of your own struggles and hold me accountable to some things. We're talking about getting right people around us. And then before I share this last one with you, I want to remind you, the very beginning of our time together, I said this is this about a stronghold, but I want you to know something about a stronghold. I am not asking you today to simply leave a stronghold. It is my desire that you would arrive to the place that God has promised. All right, so, so it's more than one thing to leave something, right? Remember, the Israelites were in Egypt, and God says, I'm going to take you. We're going to get out of bondage. We're going to get out of the slavery of Egypt, but we're also going to go to the promised what? Land. So it was more than just leaving Egypt. And some people, all they did was just leave Egypt. And they never made it to the promised land. I'm inviting you in on a journey that says, not only, God, are you going to break this stronghold in me, but I'm also going to have my eyes and my mind set on your promise where I'm going. And that's the last thing in your notes. Magnify God's plan for your life. Set the goal. Focus on the goal, the things that God has promised you through his word. It's this thing I talk about all the time, the principle of magnification that says the thing that I'm focused on that's getting my attention the most is the thing that I'm going to think about, the things that I'm going to desire. So you're putting your heart and your mind magnifying on the things that God promises. 2 Corinthians 7, 1, look, with promises like this to pull us on, dear friends, let us make a clean break with everything that defiles and distracts us, both within and without, and here comes a great challenge. Let's make our entire lives fit in holy temples for the worship of God. Let me pray with you and for you. Thank you, God, for these reminders. I know there's a major struggle for so many people here in this room. I do know, I do know right now as I'm talking, there are some within the sound of my voice, and they're going, thanks, Pastor, we get it. 
and we've been living this, and I praise God for that. My challenge to you is if you get this, and you know what I'm talking about, and you understand how big of a deal this is, can I just challenge you right now? Would you teach people? Would you talk about, would you not hide, and would you teach people the truth about what God's word says? Because the Christians have been silent. Maybe there's a, a believer here, but this has been a struggle for you. And we're talking about strongholds, God's power to release you. Absolutely, to win this battle, focus on a new promise for you in your life. You can walk away, you can develop a purity in, in your life. Others of you, maybe you're not, you're just wallowing in your sin. Like right now, you are in this mode of like crimson red and there are mistakes that you've made. You can begin a journey of purity in life today. But it only happens when you start following God. And God says, the only way you can follow me is through my son, Jesus. That's it. There's no other way. God gave up his one and only son for the forgiveness of sin so that you and I could be, though we were crimson, now white as snow. We can encounter that cleansing. That's the reference there, that cleansing of our sin. Receive that forgiveness today. Would you just turn to God and say, God, I accept the gift of Jesus Christ. I believe God's one and only son. And today I surrender and begin that journey with you, God, in Jesus' name. Amen.